Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Whether or not you watched Friends, it was obviously on during the 90s, a different era. Um, And so recently, Marta Kaufman, who was one of the co-creators of the show. Great writer. Great writer. She does Grace and Frankie. Uh, Our guest, Julianne Smolinski, has worked with her. And Mm -hmm. we can probably ask her about this, too. But so she, uh, in an interview, was talking about... um, the sort of homophobic jokes on the show. And if you watch the show now on Netflix, it, and I've done that occasionally. It can be hard. It's tough. It can Especially be tough. Especially the first season is tough. First season. And it's interesting because... there's a gay storyline. Beca- right. Because there's a gay storyline about David Schumer's character, uh, his wife leaving him for a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, t- you know, should they get married and they're raising a son. And so there's issues with him basically being sort of we would say now intolerant about his son playing with a Barbie doll and being, you know, sensitive about having a male nanny. Um, and there were jokes also about Chandler and how his father was trans and his trans father was played by Kathleen Turner and which is whatever, you know. Um, and so anyway, with all that being said, the question I think bears to be asked is, can gay jokes age well? And 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 specifically in reference to something like this, which was in the 90s, we were all teenagers, yeah. and, and so it's like, did it, aff- at the time, did it affect you, or did gay jokes affect you? And now, in retrospect, I wonder what you think, if you think that you can give um, leeway to the fact that the times were different. Well, I'm a big—I th- I think you'll probably anticipate my thoughts on this, because I'm fairly consistent on it, which is—I uh, mean, I didn't watch the show. Uh, I, I, I remember, obviously, watching— you know, TV shows in the 90s that had some gay humor and not approving. But I also, I don't know, I'm just a b- believer that we can't, like, we, you know, we can we can move on and we can say we don't use these terms anymore. We don't say these things. We don't treat these people this way anymore. But I I don't know. I'm not someone who goes back and says, fuck friends. But were you, my question, also, like, were you, when you say you didn't approve as a kid, uh, did it, since you were closeted and maybe you did or didn't know what you know that you were gay, did it affect you in any way? Did it sit with you at all? I don't remember. I don't think it didn't affect me. I can say. I mean, I, I, I definitely was aware that some things that were said that I probably didn't. For me, I think of it as kind of like a historian would. Like you can't judge Doris Kearns Goodwin over here. Uh, truly, truly. <laughs> God, she's so hot. Um, but you can't judge history in 2019 on 2019 merits because history is a moment in time and you things, can't sorry you mean you can't judge you can't expect history to it's like there were it was a different time and you can't hold that time up to 2019 you can learn from it you can say okay we probably shouldn't be doing that anymore and wow boy have we evolved yes, since then of course. but um so i always think whenever these things come up i always try to think of it in that respect because i think those jokes even though i wish people would have been more woke i guess at the time 
Um, it was in the vernacular. It was a part of the cultural vernacular. There wasn't as much uh, queer awareness. And so straight people, there weren't a lot of queer people in, in gay room. A great story. Uh, the Stan Zimmerman, he was one of the writers on Golden Girls, first season of Golden mm-hmm. Girls. You think Golden Girls, oh, gay as gay fuck guys, show. Right. Gay as fuck show. No. Stan and his writing partner, I don't know if his writing partner was gay, but Stan's gay. And he talks about how he had to stay in the closet because everyone on the show was so straight. On the Golden Girls. On the Golden Girls, that he had to stay in the closet because he felt uncomfortable talking about his gayness and putting that into the storyline, even though the opening episode, the pilot episode, had a gay gay character. character. And on top of that, I mean, this is a cute aside, but like (laughs) Estelle Getty... I'll be the judge of whether it's cute. Estelle Getty, who played Sophia on the show, came up to him and said, you're one of us. And he thought, Jewish, like he thought that was the connection. And then he went over to her house for a Shabbat on Friday night, and she and her West Hollywood sort of condo had these sort of gay Shabbat dinners every Friday. Yeah, she was a huge proponent. And she was a huge, because she had done Torch Song Trilogy, which was a very iconic gay Broadway play. Um, but that said, I, it is By the, the way, t- verdict, not cute. <laughs> <laughs> not cute. Elliot is dying over here. I he thinks it. it's cute. Um, but no, it is, you do have to judge by the time. So even though, yeah, at the time I might've been like, nah, I was also a part of that culture at the time and I was hearing it and it didn't not make me as gay as I was. It just was something we had to deal with. So here's what I'll say. This is something I'm always, uh, uh, an exercise I'm always, I'm always engaged in, which is, what social movement that is isn't registering on my radar, uh, but perhaps exists or is just kind of emerging? Yeah, uh, that will be a big deal in twenty five or fifty years from now. That in hindsight we might look back and say, how could we have lived right. the way we right. did? And, what is that? Well, for me, <clears throat> I know this is going to be a little controversial. For me, I tend to think that animal rights is going to be something that within the next fifty years becomes. And I'm and this is I'm I'm a meat eater, but like I had to defend myself for some reason. Uh, but I do think there's a likelihood that that will become I think a bigger deal in impending in upcoming generations. And I just you know I've had thoughts where what if there what if fifty years from now people look back and say I can't believe how much meat they eat right. in television shows and mm-hmm. and I but I also wouldn't needless to say I wouldn't think of us. Or the TV we're making, or the, or the culture that we live in, being that monstrous, right? But I don't know. So I'm always trying to challenge I will, myself. I will be honest. Recently, and I'm, I'm a meat eater as well, but recently there have been moments, for some reason or another, where I'm like, this feels Neanderthalistic, and and I wonder if like, I, but I'm, I'm saying <laughs> I'm to imagining your, him at the yeah. restaurant being like, wait, I'm an Outback, <laughs> but like, this yeah, feels yeah, right, right, Neanderthalistic. Wait, this this steak was a what? I know, but the idea that I'm like. But the pulling a, onion. pulling a piece apart, you know, pulling yeah, chicken yeah, apart yeah. with my hand. It's like, yeah. Ripping I it wonder off the if, bone. I wonder yeah, yeah, if yeah. in like, yeah, 20, 30 years, people will be like, that's just, you were, that I, was disgusting. I hope, just like how I love Turner Classic <laughs> Movies, it's just one of my favorite networks. And oftentimes I watch it and I'm like, wow, that would have been great if like, you know, like like as good as it gets, for example. Like I watched that, and I'm like, wow, it would have been great if an actual person of oh color played Helen Hunt's character realistically. Yeah, like or if that, Greg Kinnear played a gay guy. That would have been, yeah. but that would have been like a realistic portrayal sure. of the character and yeah. us knowing New York at the time. And I I hope in 20 years time, I think maybe we'll look back and be like, see stories about LA and be like, where are all the Hispanic people and why are they only workers? Like, <laughs> right. yeah, like right, right, and, right. And, and we and we do better as creatives in adopting these people, but also recognizing that 
It's the time and place. You can't change the past. Well, and to, to her credit, uh, she does say in her interview, she says, I think we didn't have the knowledge about transgender people back then, so I'm not sure if we use the appropriate terms. Um, but she says, you know, today she would not have done the same stuff because viewed through a t- 2019 lens, she does call it a period piece. I also, yeah. uh, this, is, this was a a, another uh, thing that I wanted to, to use this to talk about, which is uh, I, 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 I think this conversation is... A great one. Reason it's reasonable, but it's also very, I think, indicative of our times. Sure. And I also wonder if there, in ten or twenty years, there could—I don't know—I wonder if there could be a movement in the other direction, which is to say, stopping so PC, stopping all the time. being so PC right. all the time. And I look, I, I think everyone is so easy to to jump to. Well, mean jokes lead to people wanting to kill themselves, and I'm I'm as someone who hasn't done that or whatever, I can't obviously speak to that. But part of me is like, well, what if it was okay to watch people make fun of you? I'm not not singling out gay people, but, you know, obviously right now it's okay to make fun of straight white guys for good reason. They are the dominant force and have been for the last, for all of recorded history. But like, I think there's room to make fun of any number of groups uh, within reason and not make it so horrific and have people say, well, this is wrong and this is evil and, and you are a monster for having done it. Totally. Yeah, I, yeah completely. I don't think anything should ever, I, you know, we all think this way. That is in comedy. Not everything's on the table if done in the correct way. Like right. you can say anything. There are no barriers to what you can and can't make comedy about. But that said, I do like that a creative person, you know, like Marta Kaufman, acknowledges because when you watch that because i hadn't watched friends in years and then when it came on netflix i started watching it and watching the first season it was cringeworthy i was like oh that's an uncomfortable joke for me and and it's awesome that she as being such a powerful player in the business in entertainment in in an entertainment industry can say yeah, that was uncomfortable. I get it, guys. I, it also, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. She, and not just be like, I'm sorry, I'm the sorry. The show I'm was sorry. amazing. How but dare she, but the, you? The, on the other yeah. end, she's not going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm right. sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's right. like, she's, she's just acknowledging it in a really intelligent exactly. way, which that, is what that, people should changed. be doing. And I honestly, think, I think it's because I sent her a text about it. Oh, really? I think that's what Can you ask her if I can have a million? Actually, no. No, I won't. Sorry, Alan. Not even joking. Julianne Smolinski, thank you for being here. Thank you for having TV me. TV writer, oh. Twitter impresario. <laughs> She's also God. the reason I'm a published writer. That's the truth. I, during, I, don't, I think I may have, I don't know if I told you this or not, but during, I had never really written anything long form except for when I was going through chemo. And you and I, we didn't really know each other, but I think we had mutual friends and you read something of mine. Yeah. And then you got me to XO Jane and mm-hmm. that was the first thing I had ever gotten published. Oh, that's right. And you, then I, I got a bunch of other stuff oh, and yeah, work and great. everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm we knew so each other. I yeah. think I think before we met, you uh-huh. had asked friends of mine to uh-huh. get an autographed headshot of mine. That's so you right. can hang it in your car. That sounds about right. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I remember that. So great to see you. So great to see so you. To see but you. now you're a big time television writer on oh, Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Why are you doing a Jewish I don't accent? Know. It just felt appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm feeling myself right now. Oh, uh, burst into, uh, into odd characters sometimes. <laughs> Grace and Frankie feels like the type of show you would go into a Jewish accent for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, we were talking about Marta yeah. Kaufman uh, a couple minutes ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was. She, we were applauding her. For... I just saw her today. Weirdly, get out of here! Oh, wow. yeah. I, I work on her show. I see her literally <laughs> yeah, every time. Right. So, yeah. She's also friends with Robin Quivers, by the she way. She is. Yep. 
Her Marta nat, is? Marta is. Okay, I have to talk to her about Please that. Please ask her about a vacation they went on that Robin mentioned on Stern. Wait, tell us about it. I don't know. I just heard her talk about it on oh, Stern. Oh, she just mentioned it. What? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, that's so weird. Especially so you're since... telling our listeners to listen to Stern. Okay, cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of our writer's assistants is like obsessed with Howard Stern. Mm. And he, like, he's listens... obsessed with Howard Stern. Yeah, I only know this about you. Yeah. Yeah, very much well, so. He's Elliot, very involved, very into Elliot gay rights. did this thing that actually, weirdly enough, my brother and sister Alon did, which mm-hmm. is I think everyone in the 90s was like, Howard Stern is like this gross yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and then uh and then uh, for whatever reason they listen one day and mm-hmm. they're like oh he's actually i know like in the 2000s it became more progressive but yeah. he's also incredibly hilarious and and then you become this encyclopedia of knowledge about yeah. stern yeah to a certain and, degree I, I i and to a certain point because i don't care for him in his the days that he wouldn't say he cares for himself anymore but yeah. like yeah before he became quote-unquote evolved and mm-hmm. thoughtful and started doing therapy four times a week mm-hmm. um you know he was not the he was not something I would listen to. Yeah, yeah watch that Lorena Bobbitt movie and you'll see Ugh. what kind of, what a shit show Howard Stern was. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean a lot of people were like that. It's yeah. kind of it's weird to see, but I I think, you know, my husband calls it getting grandfathered all the time. That a lot <laughs> yeah. of people who were shitty a little while ago. It's yeah. a great term. But if they but it's like if you figured out your shit like right before this happened, yeah. then you sort of like you're okay. Like yeah. Howard Stern I feel like sort of rode he that did. way. He he yeah. he someone who He's never gotten in, in actual trouble because mm-hmm. he never actually mistreated women or was mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, he was like, he was salacious. Oh, yeah. You know, he was like gross. And I would still have no interest in listening to that era, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. but he's he's like he's true. He's honest. Yeah. And, and also he's, he's carried he's just him a through. Very good. I mean, I, I'm not a frequent listener, sure, but yeah. he's a wonderful interviewer. Yeah. 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 I'm actually, I'm weirdly friends with Jamie Harmeyer. He's JD. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Just like from Twitter. <laughs> and he's, he watches like every single movie. Everything. So whenever I'm on the fence about something, I just text him and ask him. And that's my <laughs> weird little say, He's better on Twitter. He's better in text form. As are many of us. I mean, yeah. Just watch me on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Julianne, you have have two babies. I well, two child and gorgeous a... babies. I mean, they're kind of both babies. They're both babies. Mm. They're Where'd you get them? Babies. Um, I, I, they were tied up outside of Whole Foods and there wasn't enough water in their bowls. Um, no, they, I, I had, uh, my son, my son is almost two. So I have a, mm-hmm. I have a one year old and a seven month old, which wow. makes it sound oh like God. the math is impossible, but one, he's almost two. How many people uh, ask you what it's like to be a mother? You know, kind and of. And do you hate that question? No, it's weird because like I kind of went from being super single. My my now husband and I were only together for about a couple of months before I got mm-hmm. pregnant, and oh, we wow. just decided to go with it. Yeah, and I was like dating around before that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. just like a, mostly the people who asked me about it were the people who knew me as somebody who was like very single for a very long time, and now suddenly I have two kids. Very yeah. So. so had you did you want had you always wanted kids or did you just kind of like did it your just happen? Your sister had a lot of yeah, kids. Yeah, your sister, right? right? Or two kids? One kid. Oh, one kid. kid. A, lot, a, lot, yeah. a lot of kids. A lot of kids. One kid. Five, well, no, but six, six, I remember when you moved out here, your sister had just had a baby? Yeah, she or just she had a baby. In yeah. the same building as you, Yeah, and we right? lived in the same building. I lived downstairs in the like studio apartment. She lived upstairs with mm-hmm. her baby. She now has two, but she just had the one at the time. But she was a lot of baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, and everybody was like asking me if I wanted them, but it was so unfathomable to me at that point because yeah. I was in my like, you know, come yeah, home we... from my show and drink a bottle of wine yeah, at night and watch Julianne, my... Right. Yeah, 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 right? And yeah. now I'm very, I'm super mommed out, so... But you're not. I mean... But do you drink as much? No. 
God, no. Oh. Also, I married a sober guy, so oh. it's a little yeah. like like once a month I'll go out and tear it up and come <laughs> home and be sloppy, but that's it. Do you have, do you, you don't have like wine at home with the kids or and not with them, but you know, like I have a glass of wine when I cook now, but yeah. it's just like it's weird to be like the drunk person around somebody <laughs> who doesn't drink. Yeah. Do you do that thing where you refer to it as mommy juice? No, I actually like I. <laughs> hate like mom wine culture so much yeah. like there's elliot knows that i'm i was in this facebook moms group that i ended up quitting and everything like you could say like i have postpartum depression or like i think my husband's cheating on me or anything and they'd be like wine like they, wine. <laughs> everything is like get drunk like sleep training your baby it's terrible or like i'm afraid my kid's gonna die and it's like wine yeah <laughs> wasn't the so hashtag awful. hashtag have hashtag all the wine. All the wine. All the wine. All the wine and wow. mommy juice and all that stuff and mom needs wine. Ooh, it, was that's... it just that Facebook group? Because I feel like most no, moms know. That, that is a thing, thing in no, the culture. No, it's a big thing, but also like, and, and I went through a period of time, I didn't drink for a year because I had a baby and I had really bad postpartum anxiety yeah. and like alcohol made it 20 times worse, so I just stopped. And I, uh, I didn't want to like be a buzzkill and tell people like I can't like yeah, I, yeah. I'm not drinking right now because it's like oh like it's well, you're yeah. not a fun one of the fun things mom. that I <laughs> you're not a good person yeah anymore. right it blows me away like because when you know I knew you in New York and then here and before you had babies and you yeah. had a I'd always see you were very even though I wouldn't say you would call yourself queer you had a queer community around you a lot yeah, of times yeah yeah and you were very much a part it didn't feel like you just had a gay best friend it was yeah. all very much uh organic in your circle and how does that shift then when you become a mother but yet the your community around you isn't necessarily having a lot of children um you know it's weird all of the kind of cliche stuff about being a new parent is true like you do lose your friends for those first mm. couple of years and it sucks and a lot of that it's your single friends and you know mm. not a lot i actually have uh no gay friends with kids mm. so wow you know thank I'm, god <laughs> thank god <laughs> yet yet i feel like i mean aside from my wonderful nanny who is the greatest in the entire world and yeah. she's married to a woman and you know i guess she's my friend this is terrible thing yeah. to say. that's the most la mom yeah. thing i've ever said in my entire life but it it feels like all of my friends are gone right now so yeah. my gay friends are just sort of folded into that and i've heard a lot on the other side of you know just people who are childless feeling like they they lose their mom friends and mm -hmm. dad friends you know it's, yeah. it's funny how like recently i've always said if i'm gonna do the if i'm gonna do this whole dying alone thing yeah. i might as well be social i might mm -hmm. as well be active and go out and like something it was like last week i had like a bunch of different ideas like very specific mm -hmm. to like three different friends <laughs> and i was like gonna go to one movie with one and then like i was gonna play a board game with the other and I texted all three of them, and all three of them were like, I'm really busy. And I was like, oh, no. I, was like, oh, no. I got to have kids. I can't do this. No. I always I love when this. a friend of mine has a kid because, like, Me I, too. I, I love hate it. Go. I hate leaving mm -hmm. the house ever. Really, I'm. I, I just don't go out a lot. I don't go to bars. I just don't go out a lot mm -hmm. unless I'm performing or getting paid to do something. Yeah, you like I to just, read. Yeah, I like to read. Hey, you're a house cat. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I love friends that just want to do boring things, like <laughs> sit around and watch Drag Race or eat food at House of Pies. You know what? I, like, I miss. I bought that. Stratego. Do you want to play Stratego sometime? I don't know what that is. It's a board game. Yes. Okay. That I'm very good yeah. at. <laughs> 
Okay, it's, I will do that. It's very, very fun. But see, game night is always really <laughs> odd for me because it feels very competitive. Whereas if we're all just sitting around eating cheese, that's just delightful. Yeah. But do you, so are you saying you like to be with people who have children? Yeah, because it's like because they're also very chill. They're like they can't leave the house. So I'm just like, I'll come over. We'll watch a movie. Yeah. I like a kid. Let's. There eat is something food. very structured to the idea of being like. I'll come over. I'll bring Stratego. In, <laughs> instead of like instead of planning an outing. Yes. I'm going to come to your house uh-huh. where the activity will be being around your children and making sure they don't die. In yes. fact, let's make sure they have fun. Yeah. I yeah. love that. The making it's, sure yeah. they don't die makes me so anxious because sure. I always am. Yeah, that's really probably the toughest part. <laughs> I, watching a kid is like watching one of those Final Destination movies where like. Oh, my God. I, every time I'm like, oh, the, the bookshelf. And then I, you know, I run over and I, you know, I hold the bookshelf. It's like they're not even touching the oh, bookshelf. Every single time about? I babysat a friend of mine's kid, even oh, though I'm great with it. kids, I'm wonderful with kids, I know what I'm doing, I still think. If this kid dies oh while they're God. away, yeah. not because of anything I'm doing, but what if it just oh accidentally dies? I'm Wait, fucked for Frank, life. Yeah. You're an, you're an uncle to to two little guys, a guy yeah. and a girl. Yeah, and and I, I care. Do for you them feel deeply. that sh- that t- t- uh, terror and fear with their safety? Constant. I I could almost not watch them eat when they were really young. That's because, actually very oh. cute. Because uh, oh. they would they would do that thing where. They first of all, kids choke constantly. Constantly, and constantly. I have very big tonsils. <laughs> okay, not to brag. And so <laughs> I almost, right. I almost have trouble eating unless I have something to Wait, wash why it are down they with. You're like a bird. Uh, yeah, I'm like yeah, a bird. Yeah, yeah. You need the. So to me, in this very strange way, eating is almost almost challenging. And yeah. And so when I watch them eating, and they'll they'll throw their head back. And they'll laugh with food in their fucking mouth. And I'm like, you're going to yeah. choke. <laughs> and it makes yeah. me so anxious. Are you My, always yeah, Were you like that? Yeah. Well, Are it's they weird. choking like, all the time? Uh, yeah, they're choking all the what time. What do you mean? And my husband has this, like, choking. Like, before we had kids, he had, like, a choking fear. Like, he has recurring oh, nightmares yeah. about it where he wakes up thinking he's choking. And, like, you know, my son will take a bite of food. And then walk over yes. to his little trampoline and start jumping, and you're like, no. no. And I mean, they just wow. they they have no sense of danger they make at all. Baby Soylent, and just give kids like liquid diets until they're five. Isn't I mean, what, but that's it's Gerber. That's Gerber. But you're that not baby you're not supposed is? to do that anymore. Like, there's this whole thing now with like baby led weaning, where you're supposed to just give them milk until they can eat food, and it's in like small chunks or it's oh. it's give a them milk. Nightmare. Oh, from yeah, your, yeah, yeah. From your you should kids. see when, whenever I, no. I did not <laughs> I'm not breastfeeding. Augie's like almost six now. Oh. Whenever I'm sitting next to him and uh, my, you know, sister-in-law is like, "Hey, can you cut up his food?" I swear to God, it looks like it's been shredded. Yeah, you, if it, it's in the tiniest pieces. That's what my husband is, and he, I've oh, seen wow. him just run over and like fish hook something out of his yes. mouth, and oh. it's like minuscule. And I'm like, oh, "What are you doing?" God. And he's like, "I'm afraid that they're going to choke." Did your yeah. husband, uh, AJ? Yes. Did he? Were you as surprised that he was on board as much as you were? I mean, it was. Uh, I will, Obviously, I will, this is mutual. No, so. I will tell you the day I I found out I was pregnant. Uh, this is this is a terrible. I hope my son never listens to this. But <laughs> don't like, worry, he, he won't. won't. <laughs> yeah, he won't. He, he won't. will not. Uh, I I know when he was conceived because we used the morning after pill and it did not work. <gasps> and there's like evidence of it because uh, I had like 
tweeted about my experience buying it and writing it because it was so bad. This is such like a 2017 wow. thing to do. Is yeah. I had a bad experience <laughs> buying the morning after pill. I went into Rite Aid and a guy didn't want to sell it to me. So he called. In LA? In Los Angeles. Why didn't he want to sell Why? it? I don't think it was a religious thing. I mean, it might have been, but he just said like, I don't do that. Let me get you a woman. And she took like a million years and all, I'm holding up the line and the guy like made it clear that the line was being held up for me. Oh and my then God. she came over and this is I swear this is not why I have a son but she was like hey the the like plan B is like 60 bucks do you want our Rite Aid version it's like 40 <laughs> and I was like yeah sure I'll yeah, take the Rite Aid sure. version my jo- I, I, I have to close my I can't believe what, <laughs> I'm, what you're telling me so, I would always take the Rite Aid version the, yeah, well me too. I mean it's supposed yeah. to function in the exact same yes. way yeah. so um, you know I think that you have 72 hours to take it I took mm-hmm. it within the time frame it wasn't immediately after but it was like within the yeah. I, I read the instructions. You had brunch and then. I had brunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I took a couple <laughs> naps, whatever. I went for a light jog. And then, like, I, a couple of weeks later, I was uh, coming home in an Uber because my car was in the shop. And it was right around uh, Halloween. And the guy had all this Halloween candy in the back of the car. And I was like, some of this Halloween candy has gone bad. It smells like trash in here. And I kept trying to roll down the windows. And he had the window lock on, and I was like, it smells like trash in here, but I didn't want to be rude. I was like, please roll down the windows. And the guy was like, what? Does something smell? And I was like, yes. And he was like, what is it? Can you look? And then all of a sudden I went, oh, no. I'm, I'm pregnant. pregnant. Oh, my God, because your, cha- your, your nasal uh, sense and it's, changed. it's like that fast you know something is up with your body. Oh and I went God. home, and I still had, like, pregnancy tests from my slutty days. Like, yes. I had bought the multi-pack, <laughs> and I had one left. Got that Costco yeah, membership at Costco. you. Yeah, Costco. And then I, I, like, told AJ, I think I'm pregnant. He's like, what do you mean you think? And I was like, well, I took a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. Yeah. And he was like, yay. And he got super excited. And I oh, was fully prepared for so him to be sweet. like. Yeah, I mean, I was fully prepared for him to be like, you know, not. Now is I not was not the time. Oh, and he's yeah. older than I am. So he's yeah. 10 years older. So I also thought maybe he was like, that's made the decision not to have kids. Or, super sweet. Yeah. That's but he was great. so excited. He's like the best. Dad he's also very oh. hot. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've never actually met him in person, but he's famous for I know. his days when, editing Gawker. Yes. And uh, he got caught oh, wait, up. Wait, what's deep- his name? AJ Delario. Oh, okay. Yeah, when, yeah. You, the, when you were uh, moving out here, or yeah, when you were moving out here, I think Elliot and I were talking, and we were trying to maybe set up a dinner or something. Yes. And you talked so much about how hot he, he is. Was. He has. <laughs> I've told you this. He has a. He has a, fa- a, a, a type of face mm-hmm. that I can I can pinpoint. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's this like. Uh, uh, it's it's fre- uh, freckles. Rodential. What's rodential? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's like a it's like an elf, not an elfin, but like, like, a, a, like a forest animal. Yes, kind of. and Corey Sika has that face. Mm-hmm. Charlie Day has that face. I told face. him. Well, everybody thinks he looks like Charlie Day, which is really funny because I was in mess hall once and I saw Charlie Day. Mm. He's like. He's a lot smaller Tiny, than AJ. Tiny, yeah, little guy. AJ yeah. has that, like, Italian, uh, like, built-in nice body thing mm-hmm. that I hate that he can eat, like, whatever he wants and he still has muscles. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Just like yeah. me. Yeah. Just like me. <laughs> I will say, on wait, Instagram, wait, I, got... I do love the pictures of him just with the baby. Oh, my all God. Sleeping. Uh, sweet. Oh, my God, my heart. Yeah. Wait, finish, he uh, you f- that. finish that story. <laughs> I told AJ, because he's very good friends with Corey, that he thinks you look like Corey. And he's like... What? Like looked oh, did, at a bunch of pictures. Did you and... think? Do you think I'm wrong? No, I've I've definitely seen it. There are angles.
goals. Yeah. But also, mm. you, you can never tell what you look God, like. He's yeah. so cute. There, I have it's that cute. face. He's I so have cute. to ask you something that I mm-hmm. always want to ask parents yeah. in general. Um, but I often think people are uncomfortable to ask parents. Okay. So let's just get it out. And we sure. know you love your children. I love my children. <laughs> what do you hate about being a parent? Mm. Well, first of all, there's the fear. The fear. Yeah. Const- mm. Like, I really, this is such a stupid comparison. But I was like, I'm going to be a mom like if I'm ever a mom, like Jane Kaczmarek on Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. I loved her on that show. Yeah. She just was kind of like fearless and like, you know, the kids would complain and she'd be like, shut up. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Not yeah. that I wanted to be terrible and mean to my children, but <laughs> yeah. just that she nothing bothered her. She was unflappable. Yeah. And I'm I am. I never thought I would be a warrior and I'm a warrior and I hate yeah. that about myself. Oh, I hate the anxiety. And I have asked people like, hey, when do you stop worrying that every time they leave the house, they're going to get in a car accident and people just say, you never, never do. do. Yeah, never do. Never. the rest of your wow. life. My fear of parenting is the idea that once the baby comes or once the child is there, you are filled with terror for the rest of so, you your know what's, rest You know what's really sad? Mm-hmm. It's when the kid embodies the terror right here. I, what do you mean? You're terrified? I... I I I've, I very famously am super in tune with my mom's mm-hmm. emotion emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's always said, if anything ever happens to my child, any one of my children, I will die. Yeah. So whenever like I'm on a flight with really bad turbulence, mm-hmm. my first thought is my mom's gonna freak out when I die. Oh my god! That's like my first thought. <laughs> oh my god! This is even crazier. This is really pathetic. Yesterday, oh my god, this is so pathetic. Yesterday was Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and I uh, I took a little day trip to Santa Barbara. Oh. Had had Arby's on the way, but uh, I took a day trip, and I was Just like, like Oprah. He texted me. <laughs> I was, he texted me a picture of his Arby's. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! I was nervous to to drive on Mother's Day because I was like, what if I get in a car accident on Mother's on, Day? You'll die on Mother's what, Day. I can't die on Mother's Day. She I, really I did put the fear, the fear <laughs> in you. Yeah. Huh? Wow. I have an older sister, and my mom for a long time didn't want us to fly in the same plane, like the vice president oh and the president. Because she was like, if I lost both. I totally get that. I totally get that. That's crazy. That's crazy. Have you flown with your children yet? I totally get that. Well, I've flown with Ozzy. I haven't flown with either. My mom openly admits to drugging me as a child. Did you drug your children on flights like my mother? No. I mean, first of all, the the only time we flew with him, he was too young. And you you can't give them that stuff. And also, like, this is a little known thing is, well, I guess it's probably known. For some kids, like, the... You get them Benadryl usually. Yeah, it makes them super hyper. So there's like, wow. a, yeah, there's a possibility that it can backfire on you, and you've just given your kid like liquid cocaine. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. Really yeah, my mom says she gave us Benadryl, and we were just. Yeah, you do that with mm-hmm. my dog sometimes on a flight. Yeah, kids and dogs. Yeah, kids and dogs. <laughs> your dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, same thing. Yeah, pretty much yeah. the same. Same, same weight, <laughs> almost. Um, I was going to ask. You know, we both share just a, this. Uh, uh, a mutual, I guess, be- beleaguerment is that a word? Beleaguerment. <laughs> yeah, sure. we're haunted. Over yeah. this like something. This like m- this like new parenting culture that I just watch from a distance, <sighs> and you are clearly can be part of, especially yeah. in that Facebook world. But like, is parenting now like super? Do you feel like it's like? So- easier, harder, or, like, weirder than it was for our parents? I mean, it's strange because, like, every—it probably had its elements of people telling you what to do when you were our parents' age. But now it's just because we live in the culture that we do. I mean, this is a really stupid example, but I started following—the New York Times started a new parenting vertical. Oh, yeah. And their first post was, like, here's some beautiful baby foods you can feed your kids. And 
like the first 800 comments were about how like don't feed your kids baby food and like yeah like oh you should be God. feeding your kids solid food and breast milk is best yeah and it's just everybody has dumb opinions about everything but and the, i wonder if that's new or if that's new no, no, in no. the sense that everyone can voice that in a, that's in the, a public forum. That's the forum. problem, yeah. that there are more people. I think before it was just like a bitchy old lady at the supermarket <laughs> right, telling right. you, like, yeah. take control of your kid. And, but she didn't and have the it's... pseudoscience to back it up. No, and, yeah. and like this new thing where um, the... Actually? <laughs> that's Prince. <laughs> actually, exactly. The contrarian the, voice. The um, World Health Organization just came out with all this stuff, like limit your kid's screen time. But there's no... I keep looking for the science where it's like, okay, where's the study that they did where yeah. they said like 20 years from now these kids had ADD or anything. There's yeah. not any science. It's just the recommendation. Right. And it's like... And who's recommending it? Like, the, the World who, Health Organization... But who are the people there who are like, like, where are they getting the information? They're government scientists who also told us that we should be eating like 11 servings of rice a day right, 10 years right, ago. Right. Like, it's bad right, that's to tell. Yeah. The food pyramid... And it's the food just pyramid's like, nuts. Ugh. So yeah, that's that's the bad part is you just I do have love a, rice, more though. of a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the old fair. I actually just brought rice aroni today. Oh. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I did. The, the I wanted a go treat. I wanted a cheesy thing. Mm. The cheesy yeah. kind. That's yeah. the best one. Yeah, yeah. true. But yeah, I mean, I, I bought think... it because Michael wanted my boyfriend Michael. Yeah. He wanted hamburger helper, but hamburger helper makes me throw up. Yeah. So I bought rice aroni for me and hamburger helper for him. <laughs> oh, there you go, guys. That was my wow. dad. Cute. That's yeah. so sweet. <laughs> Stupid. You're so domestic. I know. Um, <laughs> my uh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah. Do, do you get? Do you ever also find yourself? Like, do you have friends who become parents or do you find yourself following people who are those kind of self-righteous social media parents? <laughs> who Have you ever felt like murdering a parent yeah, friend yeah, yeah. of yours? Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, my best friend uh, lives in New York and I, any of my parenting questions go through her because if you do any kind of Googling or crowdsourcing or whatever, it's horrible. And it's like mommy yeah. blog culture is the actual worst Oh, um, my sister-in-law writes for Mommy Blog. She's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, that, no, yeah, no. Yeah. But the, the idea of, like, there's a right way to do things or whatever is monstrous. Mm -hmm. It's just really, like, <laughs> right. it's warm, fed, and dry. Those are the things that you want to, like, make right. sure that they are alive and safe. And But, yeah, I definitely – I've had to mute a couple of people on, wow. on uh, social media just because it's all of this stuff about, you know – and it's not just parents. It's a lot of – Single people saying, like, if you take your kid on an airplane, you know, it's yeah. it, there's so much of it out there that it's yeah. just kind of like you can't listen to any of it. It just yeah. makes me feel shitty. Which, yeah. Actually, let me plug my sister-in-law's blog, C Plus Mom. I love it. And it's okay. about it's about how, yeah, there's never there's not that's great. always that's a great one title. way yeah. to do something. C Plus Mom. That's everyone. a great mom. Great that's blog. A yeah. And the rest of the internet is called A Plus Mom. A plus. Yeah, right. That, that's that's it. That's what a it is. A plus or die. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is this weird sort of like I mean, even with the whole anti-vaxxing situation that's happening right now. I mean, like like I remember during chemo, people would tell me to drink lots of coconut water. Or coconut juice yeah. because it would it would instead of chemo. Yeah, that'll help. What? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. and Suzanne Summers is what started that. Oh, and yeah. it's like, she and is. it's like, yeah, do you know how much coconut job. water I would have to drink <laughs> to, 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 to rid my that, body of? There yeah, are probably a lot of bad things about having yeah. cancer, but probably one of the most annoying yeah. is people with advice. Well, yeah. it's the same thing with parents. I think Dr. too. Suzanne yeah. Summers. There's there's all these <laughs> there's all these like pseudo facts out there mm -hmm. that people are taking because they read it on some website. Somewhere, oh, and insane. there's no backing it up at all. Yeah. As a uh, uh, as a gay man, mm -hmm. I wonder. If Julian, you could... you're a gay man, right? Yeah, yeah. as a gay man. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if you guys agree with this. I feel that um, 
uh, there's a sort of strange privilege in the sense that I, I don't have a biological clock mm-hmm. that I have to, you know, race against. Mm-hmm. So I can ostensibly take the time to when I feel you know, I guess psychologically prepared to bring a child into my life, mm-hmm. hopefully with a husband, ring, ding, ding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but ultimately, I, I I, think that, you know, there is this weird sort of parallel where as like a gay, a gay person, you get a kind of reprieve where you can avoid the whole thing entirely mm-hmm. or you can like have the time to kind of mentally gestate. Yeah, you guys and Diane Keaton pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, I, do you I think, think that, do you, do you see it in the same way? It's weird because I remember a specific period of time where the like cool thing, I, I think it's still out there with, but for like 20 somethings. No, no, no. Like it was cool to like hate kids. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I, mm. I grew up in the 90s and right. it was like, little like, fuckers. Yeah, we hate all the kids. What's that gym. kid's book? Oh, go the fuck go to the sleep. Go the fuck to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> that like that was sort of like. So I I think that there was some pressure taken off because we were like, oh, Ali McBeal didn't have babies, <laughs> and you know that. So, Ooga, Chaka, yeah. Ooga, Ooga. <laughs> she exactly. had that baby. <laughs> so I mean, it's almost like I feel like you guys are going to get the pressure yeah, because yeah. everybody's having babies older, so yes. it's almost more like. Nobody has the excuse not to yeah. because you can freeze your eggs because people adopt when they're 16. That's something right. that I I, I I really always want to stress in situations like that. My mom's adopted. Adoption's a big thing in my family. Mm-hmm. And like whenever people, and my mom often says this too, she's like the most sexist thing you can say is that a woman's biological clock is ticking. Yeah. Because it totally denies mm-hmm. other types of parenting and families that are out there and the ability to how we have children. Yes, sure, there is a biological thing that happens to women that prevents them from being able to have children later in mm-hmm. life. And that is a that's a fact. But that doesn't mean it's an impossibility to have a family and to have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by even communicating in that way, we've we've conditioned ourselves to think that women only can do this one thing by a by a countdown clock and it's like that's not how the world works. We can do it in so many different ways. Oh yeah. yeah. I was an accident. My mom says totally. Oh, boy. She was like wow. she was like the first one, you kind of maybe plan but not always. The second one, you planned it, but you take it. The third one, pure accident. Yeah. <laughs> but aren't you like the ninth? No, I mean, there's a lot of step at half children. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm over two with planning my kids. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think, before you go, big question, mm-hmm. yeah, any, more, any more down the line? You know... He means children. I mean yeah. children. <laughs> not husbands. Not husbands. Um, no, I love my husband very much. Me too. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, he at first was so delighted by the first one that he was like, I want like five. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, absolutely oh my God. not. Yeah. Uh, but I think like right now we're going to take a little break and then probably see like, you know, I'm still... I was going to say, I'm still young. (laughs) You are still young. I stopped myself from saying I'm still young. I have a couple more years before my window slams shut. Your biological (laughs) window slams shut. Yeah, but also, like, not to be this person, I also am in a job where, like, people get mad at you for having a baby. So, you know, because it's like you said you are or you're not. I am. Right. How does that how does that work? Um, Because it's it's so like, you know, you're it's it's such an at will thing. It's not like, oh, I'm in a job and this is the job that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Like you basically like work at a place for six months or six weeks. 
And they often, a lot of places see that as like, you're having a baby on their time. Or, you know, I went on interviews when I was like eight months pregnant and mm. shout out to David oh. Capps and uh, Jordan Cahan. They hired me knowing that I could give birth literally any day. Right. So, I mean, but that's not the case with a lot of people. A lot of people will see that you're pregnant and be like, sorry, we're yeah. not going to look for somebody who's leaving, you know. Which is discriminatory, yes. but they can't say it. They can't, but they'll act on sure. it and they'll yeah. say you know oh we were looking for somebody else or a different right. level but yeah so that's a thing yeah. so i have to think about oh. that when i plan my next kid <sighs> yeah it's not great and we also don't have paid family leave in this country so no you know people women have to i mean women in different situations have to figure out ways go back to work and yet they don't have the luxury of you know dealing it's just it's it's gross yeah. it's bananas yes it's totally bananas yeah well hopefully things the get better N-N-N-N. for men too yeah. i hope yeah. my fingers are crossed fingers crossed <laughs> Jeez. Where can people follow you on the interwebs? Uh, you can, oh God, I mean, if I'm still on Twitter by the end of the night, uh, <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate Twitter now. Uh, you can that. follow me at Boobs Radley. Boobs Radley. <laughs> that's it. There's nowhere else. I love Twitter it. major, baby. I love it. And Woo! watch Grace and Frankie. Yeah, and watch Grace and Frankie. On Thank Netflix. you, Julia. Thanks for, Thanks for being here. And another thing. So uh, in 2008, there was an article that I Whoa, read. Whoa, 2008? Yeah, all the way back in 2008, there was an article. Time machine. <laughs> Brent was three. <laughs> there was an article in Out Magazine um, called Has Manhunt Destroyed Gay Culture? Now, this article has stuck with me. Manhunt was the precursor to Grinder. Right. Manhunt was yeah, the precursor basically. to Grinder. It was a website that you logged into that was dot. <laughs> it was geomapped or whatever. So it was, yeah. you know, by distance. Um and the the interface was not the same as Grinder, of course, but it was basically profiles. You had your profiles right. and your pictures and your descriptions and stuff. And anyway, at the time, I remember very distinctly feeling the same way I did about Manhunt as I have often felt about Grinder and Scruff and the apps and, you know, the Internet in general. But um, this article has just stuck with me, and, and I was wondering what you guys thought about it. It was called Has Manhunt Destroyed Gay Culture? I always love the name Manhunt because it always – it elicits, you know, the image of chasing a fugitive through a wooded area <laughs> right. with a yeah. pack of dogs. And it was like – but this And is... the Grinder logo elicits uh, Jason, uh, Jason yeah. Voorhees. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a, like a masked bandit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Anyway, um, there, you know, I pulled a lot of quotes from it, but um, yeah. uh, it's a really interesting article in the sense that the way that the author talks about the he basically talks very poorly about manhunt and frames it as being well. He's essentially saying and, that manhunt and you can replace the word manhunt with grinder in this article, and it's essentially a 2019 article. But um, yeah, he's saying that that gay culture via manhunt or grinder has become a very almost commercialized in that gay people are products in order to be passed on or purchased or bought or pa- passed over or it's like a slot machine. We have to make it's a very commercial version of ourselves yeah. to and, be on these. Yeah. And, uh, that and, one, I, I know I know we've talked about obviously Grinder a lot. It comes up a lot. I think it's a big part of gay culture, but like it comes up a lot in the podcast. But I, I, I thought just the way he said it, the way he said that we have to kind of make Online, you make a pornographic version of yourself to sell yourself and that we aren't uh, necessarily focusing on what actually makes us redeeming human beings. Yeah. It was so uh, no- it that. felt novel, I yeah. think, at the time. And that's what he's talking and about. It's, it's strange and I think in a lot of ways depressing to read that in 2008 because I think 
It's just as relevant. Isn't that strange? And frankly, I think Instagram makes. Frankly, it, I think Instagram is exactly. the same way. And we've re- and we've talked about that and, re- and read an article about that too. How? Oh, we were talking about that on another episode. How the gap between Grinder, Instagram, and Grinder has lessened, and so well, it's all kind of playing in the same space of pornographing, porno- making yourself into a pornographic sure t- uh, object. I mean, at this time in our history, social media wasn't necessarily as. Um, present, you know, I don't think it was there, but it wasn't like it is now. I don't think it even was there was very MySpace? much because my I think MySpace was there. Face, Facebook, I don't even think was there yet. No, it was there. Was it oh, in yeah, two thousand eight? Because I know oh, in yeah. two thousand twelve. I guess it was. It yes, was. So it was. It was. It was. You're right. Um, and and but I mean the way social media. Way gay people used this, and gay people are often queer, especially gay men on AOL, like, but queer people in general, I'll say, um, use the internet, and they find the ways you can use the internet, and and then straight people co-opt it and make social platforms or mm. Match.com or whatever it is, and they make a lot of money from it, and gay people are like, hey, we invented that, um, and you know, I, I do think that this person sort of has the, their their sort of. Uh, what's the word? Finger on the note. What's the finger on the pulse? Yeah, finger on the pulse. Thank you. But I, I do think he was right in that he was able to be forward-looking and know that, like, we are commercializing ourselves, gay people on Manhunt, sure, but you are curating a life of yourself on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter yeah. that is not necessarily you because you can't put all of you on the internet. Well, this is so interesting. He says, so he's older than us. I think he's in his, I think at this point he's probably in his like 50s or so. He said, when we started cruising online, neither I nor any of my friends would have dreamed we'd post naked pictures of ourselves for strangers to see. Now almost all of us have done it. We took more pictures, better ones, because the hotter our pictures, the more we got laid. When we questioned our choices, we reminded ourselves we are gay this is our culture, and Manhunt is the 21st century bar, and you can't stop progress. You know, uh, I had a disturbing thing uh, where I, uh, uh, the gay dance club in my hometown, Necto, Necto, Necto on Friday nights. <laughs> I love it's, a Necto it's, wafer. It's, reg- it's straight six nights a week. Another Friday Jewish to, accent yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason. <laughs> but um, I, it was like six or seven years ago. I would, you know, I moved to New York after college, but I would always go back and I would always hit Necto any Friday that I was home for the holidays or whatever. And I noticed that Necto six, seven, maybe eight years ago started hollowing out. It went from being like the preeminent Friday night venue where you would see literally hundreds of people. Ann Arbor's hottest. Ann Arbor's hottest. (laughs) Ann Arbor's hottest. There's a fisting hole or whatever. And, uh, and I, but I swear to God, I these days when I go, it's it's barely half full. Yeah. Sometimes I go and it'll be a third full, and I have been terrified to think that that might be a result you, of apps. You said it the other day apps. about here, about a, in going out in L.A. You said there gay bars are. You said something about a gay bar being like empty or feeling like the bars. You can't meet. You said you can't meet anybody at a gay bar. Anymore. Yeah, that's a that's a slightly different dynamic yeah. than what I'm discussing. I mean, Necto is literally it's it's hollowed out, and I worry that that's a result of apps. I mean, I'm it sure could be it's a res- result of apps. I, I'm not as sure it's a result of apps. How I, dare you? I mean, I'm not because I, I, I'm not either. I think, I think it's real easy to be like it's this 
problem sure. when in reality it's like, well, you also have to take into consideration that LGBTQ acceptance has grown over the years in a way that we can meet LGBTQ people in lots of different ways and settings and people are more out and there's more visibility in the community outside of gay bars. And it did once have to be a time where you had to go to a queer space in order to meet a queer person. Not in Ann Arbor, Alan. This... No, in Ann Arbor, of course. <laughs> oh, it's, by the it's way. It's very he... liberal there. And he's, they speak, he speaks about this a little bit in in terms of manhunt, saying that the, the the only silver lining really is that you can potentially connect with people nearby who are queer. But ultimately, we're talking about an app called or a website called Manhunt. Right. Um, and something he said that really stuck out to me that feels very 2019 is he says Manhunt creates loneliness. Sorry, a novelist, Andrew Holleran, says Manhunt, quote, creates loneliness and then relieves it. Manhunt offers itself as the way out of the isolation it creates. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true with Grinder or I, I don't think there's that much difference. And, you know, when we talk about the, you know, Brent, we've talked, of course, about um, this, these apps being addictive. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the guy who was a director of marketing who resigned from Manhunt said to the author of this article that Manhunt is addictive like a slot machine. You keep hitting next to see another screen of profiles thinking you're going to get lucky sevens. Uh, And then a psychologist who wrote about the velvet rage overcoming the pain of growing up gay in a straight man's world says that he he talks about online cruising by saying variable payout schedule, which is used in slot machine designs, is the most addictive form of psychological conditioning because you never know when you never know when you'll get paid. It could be every 10 times or every 100. And we've talked about that so much in terms of these. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't necessarily I mean, I do agree with it, but I think it's again, it's really easy to be like it's only this gay problem when in reality I think you can say the same thing about people obsessing over the amount of likes that they get on Instagram. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It's it's become, and I don't think it started here. I don't think gay people started it. And I do think, you know, it's really easy, I think, with us in the gay community to be like, Grindr's the problem. Manhunt at the time is the problem. When in reality, the real problem is we have trouble being ourselves and we can't authentically be ourselves because we're afraid people will not accept us. That's brilliant. I mean, that's a brilliant point because he 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 ends the article. He's he's really down on, on manhunt. So for, yeah, for better or worse. But he says AIDS, you know, he's older than us, but says AIDS made coming out so scary that we preferred to avoid getting too involved in our gay forefathers world. Along came the Internet a tool that let us build gay lives without having to get very involved with older people. Mm -hmm. Not that if we wanted to, there was a whole lot of them still living. But now, and this is 2080 speaking, though it it seems our avoidance has created a different kind of society, more isolating, more brutal, and weaker. We still don't know how to have, like you said, Alan, enduring relationships. Uh, And I... The one area that I would disagree with him in that is that I don't think necessarily that we're not able to have enduring relationships. I think that we haven't quite evolved into understanding how relationships are evolving. I think media, Internet, it is a huge part of our lives. And I think on some level... We haven't the reason why we have so many problems, I think, with Grindr and the Internet and social media is that. We haven't, as a human race, figured out how we work ourselves into social media, and we are evolving. We just haven't figured out how to get there yet. Yeah, and it's a constant process. It's it this... feels like we've overshot by, in a sense. Maybe because the internet did make everything speed too, up real fast, fast. But yeah. I don't think it's necessarily that 
we're having trouble with relationships is that we're having trouble understanding who we are in the, in the scheme of the relationships that we're right. having, you know, and that hopefully we'll get there if we just keep talking. I hope so. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's episode? I didn't, I didn't care much for friends. I was I was more into home improvement. <laughs> I know my aunt Anne would say, you know, Howard Stern's very pro-Israel. Thank you very much. <laughs> and Alan, what about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I boycotted Friends from day one. Why? Because it took murder she wrote off the air. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm Jessica Fletcher. H. Alan Scott. A podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.